This is Melanie Ake. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Pradeep Sangha, a sophisticated educator and founder of The Male Entrepreneur. Pradeep teaches us the valuable lessons of thinking big, creating a vision for your life, and following your passions. His strategies are designed to help men become the best versions of themselves in today's culture. There are many people to thank for the visibility of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 new Airstream mobile podcast studio. Christie's Design and Sign, located in Greenwood, Indiana, is one of the companies. We chose to include Christie to help us create the right messaging and visibility for our new mobile studio. Christie's Design and Sign can help you with your graphic and messaging needs for many projects. If you want a company that goes above and beyond for your business needs, Choose Christie's Design and Sign. I'm really excited to share what's happening at Everyday Leaders. Go to everydayleaders.com. Subscribe to my website where you can learn strategies to become a leader in your own life. On the everydayleaders.com podcast page, you can connect to the guest of the 2019 Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit and listen to your favorite episodes of the Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Now, if you're ready to take the next step and become a leader in your own life, go to my Everyday Leaders store, select the Life Strategies courses, corporate strategy workshops, or even personal coaching. Go to everydayleaders.com, subscribe, and keep up to date on all of our programs and valuable leadership lessons. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, Pradeep Sangha. Thank you for being a guest on Everyday Leaders. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me. I totally appreciate it. Yes, it was funny. I have to tell everybody this, but before we started, you asked me, who's your audience? Because your whole theme is men who win for men in business. And so I, as a joke, everybody that knows me, I said, it's all women. <laughs> so we got to kick out of that <laughs> to kick the show off. But, but um, so all my girlfriends are saying, they're, all my girlfriends are saying, that's okay. He can come and train me. <laughs> um, but this is great because, you know, so many of us teach leadership and I love having people with your passion uh, and, and really the aptitude that you have for leadership to be able to talk through this uh, in, in really your position and how you think about things and how you're helping people strategize for success. So really, thanks for being a guest tonight. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. So I want to connect you to my audience. Uh, you're very educated. You've been you've done a lot of things, um, MIT and Stanford Connections and, and really thinking about leadership coaching. Talk to us about how you got this idea to even drive your your performance, your attitude, your passion towards leadership. Yeah, well, um, where do I start? It actually really started when I was younger. My parents had immigrated here from India, and 
and they, uh, they, all they knew how to do was really hard work. And so the town that they moved to, it was a small town, it's called Kelowna in British Columbia. And pretty much the main work that was there was working in orchards. So picking apples, picking cherries, and anything to do with fruit, you could say. And so that's kind of how they really stemmed into the workforce here in Canada. And I grew up on an orchard. Literally, I was, my brother and I were put in an apple bin when we were kids so my parents could actually work. So you could say that when it comes to work ethic, that's really where it started. And then eventually my parents had bought their own orchard and they started obviously creating, you could say, their own business and, and creating their future. And they, at that point, were actually doing fairly well. And a lot of the other farmers in the area, the other orchardists, weren't doing so well. So then I, at that age, I really started to wonder, okay, what differentiates you know, two people in the exact same industry doing pretty much the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. One's getting success and one's not. Mm-hmm. And so I actually started studying business leadership when I was very young. At the age of 15, I was managing about 50 people. And some of those people didn't speak English. They spoke French and, and they were from different countries. And so I really had to learn how do you motivate people? How do you get people to do things aside from just the money aspect? And so I was fascinated. You could say I was fascinated with the human psyche and what makes people tick ever since. And I was also a personal trainer at the age of 17. And that's my passion is really helping people transform and and change their lives. So you could say that I I learned the psychology and the neuroscience behind leadership itself. Mm -hmm. How do you get people to not only change, but get results for themselves and for an organization? Man, that's a great lesson because when I talk about leadership and I think my mentors and John Maxwell, I'm trained with John Maxwell and and just absolutely love what he teaches us just about leadership and influence. And as you were talking through that story, you know, it's all about how do you at 15 have influence over people that are, you know, doing a job on an orchard or you're trying to get them, you know, manage them at that point, you know, to listen to just basic tasks, you know, what you have to get accomplished then to be able to communicate your messages to them. Uh, that's really difficult because as a kid, how did, how did you overcome that? Were you ever fearful about stepping into that role? <laughs> yeah, you can say absolutely. When, uh, and that wasn't even on my parents' farm. It was actually on an adjacent farm. Uh, and they just basically came to my parents and they said, you know, your son works very hard. We'd like to hire him. And so I did that. And I was complete, you can say the first, you could say the first year that I was doing it, I was, I was, I was kind of, you know, really squirmish in terms of going to work, wondering, okay, is this going to work out? Because it was a very hectic environment too. There were 16-hour days, working extreme heat, getting up at 3:30 in the morning, so it was a different environment. And so I, I, I'm very thankful though, because growing up in that environment has taught me what I know now. So everything right now kind of seems like a piece of cake compared to what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. And we think about so many times, you know, life conditions us for what we're going to experience next or what what is going to be in our plan. And sometimes we're not aware of it, but it's almost like it's been planned out. And so all these things that are that seem challenging or frustrating or, you know, overcoming, we're going to have to learn through that and then and then waiting for that next thing, right? So getting you to the step that you are now, 
uh, you you learned all of that. It's uh, it's that conditioning spirit that you say now I can tackle anything <laughs> because it's right in front of you and yeah. you're passionate right about learning and, and giving back. So uh, I applaud you for that. That's a great lesson uh, for a lot of our listeners is just you know thinking back to a time when you were challenged and you and you got through it and you really decided right to overcome that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a firm believer of, you know, what doesn't break you definitely makes you. And so all of those moments definitely add up and they, they take you through a path. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'm a firm believer in destiny and, and creating your path and everybody's meant to do something and all those hardships that we have throughout life definitely create the personality, the identities that we are or who we are today. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, when you niched yourself as the men who win which is hashtagged, uh, for men in business. What what drove you down the path to really focus on this group? Uh, yeah, interesting question. So uh, first of all, there's it's a very underserved market because there's uh, there's a huge need. There's a lot of men out there that are struggling, not only in business, but just in life. And it's, and it's not something that guys want to talk about all the time. It's not something that guys openly and willingly want to share because we're, we're groomed, we're raised to be tough, right? We're raised to be persistent and just, you know, crash our goals. So one of the reasons is because I just saw that people weren't having these conversations in an open environment. The second reason is because there's a big change and shift in dynamics in society. And men right now are suffering from a different perspective than that. A lot of them don't know how to be men anymore. They're unsure of themselves. They don't know, is it right to be masculine? Is it not to be right to be masculine? And, you know, some of them even feel like it's bad to be a man because society is shutting masculinity. We have this whole concept of toxic masculinity out there. And then on, on top of that, so I've been watching trends in terms of relationships for the last 16 years and what's happening to the family dynamics and how children are being raised. Over 50% of the kids in the U.S. are being raised without uh, full-time fathers. Um, and then we also have... A very, I would say, in very key roles around the world, we have some very poor leadership from men. And so no wonder men are getting a bad rap because we have these people in very authoritative uh, positions that are not really stepping up as men. And so we have them, and then we have men that aren't stepping up to those men saying, hey, look, you're not doing a good role as a leader and actually doing something about it. So this is, for me, this is a big passion of mine because I was, I was raised by two, you could say, strong men. My grandfather, who was in the British Indian Army, and he immigrated to Canada, and he taught me what it meant to be a man. And that's really where I grew, uh, learned my leadership skills because that's one thing that the British Army is very, very, especially at that time, were very good at was raising and grooming leaders. And so I, I jokingly say they don't, ra- they, don't, uh, ha- they don't make men like they used to. Because that generation that my grandfather came from was a totally different group of men. And then my father as well. But here's really the key, Melanie, I think for me in terms of why I do what I do. is because even as much as my dad was the man's man, he was also the most loving person that I knew. But he also suffered from alcoholism. So he was a successful entrepreneur. He made money. He traveled. He did all the things that looked great on paper. But he wasn't fulfilled in life. And for that reason, he suffered from alcoholism. And for me... I just look back and say, what would have my, my dad's life have been like had he had a good mentor in his life, had he had someone to coach him along the way, not only just on the business aspect, but from the personal side as well. So that's really what drives me and, and really uh, pushes me forward in terms of what I do. Well, that's your why. You know, many people say, 
have yeah. I found my why or do I know my why or I'm just doing what I do because I kind of like it. But you really have a purpose. You have this this thing that's going to drive you to say every every man right should be able to connect with what it is that they do and how responsible they are for their family. And, you know, I love this because many times that, that we've learned and I'm not a man, but <laughs> but on the other side of it, you know, this <laughs> the stigma that men have to be strong and they have to even if they don't haven't been skilled or they didn't learn it from their families like you did. But they have to put on this this false sense of I've got it all together. And, you know, I don't know if you've researched anything about the statistics of, you know, men die sooner than women. That's just statistical information. And um, and so with yep. you hoping to impact that, right, if, if we can impact that in some way and make that connection, maybe you can start changing those statistics. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hope. And that's really that's why the hashtag men who win is really it's about a movement. And it's a movement about having stronger men that can actually deal with those. And I, I, again, I jokingly say, you know, men don't need to be more emotional, but they need to understand their emotions more. They need to be able to tap into those emotions and really understand how they work and how they drive them and actually hold them back. Because when you have a really strong man that can understand his emotions and actually move forward and be solid as a man as well, they have stronger relationships with their spouses. And when that happens, you raise stronger kids. And I'm a firm believer that a lot of these things that are happening in North America today when it comes to those mass shootings and all those, the, the racism that we have is because there's poor leadership, especially in men, because men need to stand up. And then when you teach your children good values, it, we have way less of those instances that harm society in such a negative way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I agree with you. I coach and train a lot of people, uh, men and women, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I got to jab you, <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, but when, you, yeah, <laughs> but when you hear the stories, you know, of, of kids not having that father figure in their home for one reason or another, either the relationship didn't work out or, you know, some other circumstance happened, but it really affects kids as they're growing up because it's their identity of what they believe about themselves. I wasn't good enough. It was my fault. I made, I had some kind of impact in making this happen. And so what is your position about men being mentors in some of these pro- community programs, you know, that have, um, that have been developed, but, um, but we're always seeing like they need more, they need more support. They need more community outreach. Yes, I think just any ability. First of all, a man has to be a leader in his family. That's the most important thing. And then next, it's really a leader in the, in the community. So whatever sh- uh, shape or form that looks like, whether it's coaching the soccer team or just showing up at events and showing basically support, that's very critical. And then stepping out and, and maybe possibly volunteering at Big Brothers. But it's important for men because men need to, especially for men, men need to have a purpose, right? They are old saying, a man without a vision shall perish. It's so important for men because it gives them that drive. It gives them that passion. And so I see a lot of guys who are successful that have great businesses or making a ton of money, but they've lost that passion. They've lost that drive because they don't have that purpose. Mm-hmm. And so that purpose doesn't need to be massive. It doesn't need to be you're going to save the world or save the entire United States or Canada, whatever it is. It can just be your local community just stepping up and helping because I can – guarantee without a shadow of a doubt if you look around your neighborhood there are kids in need there are kids that need mentorship whether they're getting it from their own father or not Mm -hmm. 
That's so true. That's so powerful. If people would just look around, right? Sometimes we live in our neighborhoods, but we don't know what's going on in the next house. Sometimes we don't want to know, <laughs> but but it's really important that we have that connection, that that personal connection to say, can yep. I make an impact, right? And and so focusing on the good of that, I think is is really important to what you're doing and your messaging. Um, I do want to go. I want to ask you this because I love the article that you wrote about the soup Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> if people follow you on LinkedIn, I love this concept because I've worked in medical for a long time. And I think about these surgeons and these doctors that are world-class researchers. And, you know, for them to think like their patients are coming into their waiting room, just like what your article says and talks about. Hello? Oh, can you hear me? Hello? Pretty? Hello? 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 You Can you hear me? Pretty? Pradeep? Hello? Did we lose you? Hello? 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 Did we lose you? Pradeep, can you hear us? Hello? Hello? Oh, my gosh. Hello? Can you hear us? Don't go away. Can you hear us? We'll call him back. Where is he? Call Indoor. Let's call. What happened? Can you, hear, can you hear us now? Pradeep? I can hear you. So we got cut off there. That, that was really, so well, weird. I, That's never happened. Well, what's, what's really weird is that um, we lost you, and we still we could hear you, but we could, you couldn't hear us. So then I ended the call thinking oh. I was I, – well, I did end the call because it was obviously a bad connection, and I was trying to call you back, but you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry. That is, I don't know what happened. We, okay. Um, but oh, well, okay. We're, I know what happened. I'll tell you what. Just uh, ignore it. We're the red light's on. We're recording. I'll back out. Here you go, guys. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about this article that you wrote, and uh, some of the things that you talk about I really connected to because I've worked in medical for a long time, and I think about the doctors or the the patient environment where uh, the experience of the customer isn't something that they're necessarily going to tell you as a business owner. And so as you're, I just want to get your perspective on this now that I've got you in my private podcast. <laughs> because, right, many times, many times we think being the best at something is going to give us that opportunity to keep getting better. But um, talk to us about this concept and what, how you wrote this article. Yeah, absolutely. So the concept is, is really about we need to be aware of what our clients are thinking and feeling and be open to feedback all the time because our clients, in a lot of cases, especially when we are good at what we do, don't want to give us feedback. They're afraid of giving us feedback because there's a, there's a gap in terms of perceived authority. Because as soon as someone sees a big certificate on the wall, just say, for example, a doctor, as you mentioned, they automatically think subconsciously, I mean consciously, this person is a little bit better than I am. They have more education than I am. So who am I to really tell this person how I'm feeling about the overall experience, whether it's good or bad? And so a lot of the times, and I, and I face this because I work with doctors and dentists and, and people in the medical field, is they're like, well, my clients, all, every time that we give them a client satisfaction rating, they're always giving us a five. 
They're always giving a five out of five. They're always giving us like the rating, raving reviews. I'm like, yeah, if that's also a red flag, because if they're not being completely open and honest, it's because they're feeling like they can't be in some way, shape or form. So having open dialogue with customers is very important. And I learned this because um, I have a huge passion for, for on the innovation side, and especially when it comes to innovation leadership, because that's my academic background as well. And so I've studied organizations like Disney and Zappos and some of the best when it comes to, okay, what does it really take to create long-term loyal customers? Because from a business perspective, that is so critical. That is the most, you could say, important thing for having a successful business long-term, but one of the most overlooked because everybody's focused on getting new clients. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge becomes, and it's, everybody's focused on the marketing and all the sales, but they don't really take a look at what's happening on the back end. Because our customers, the most important thing for us to do as professionals and, and people providing a service for our clients is to get our clients to not only stay with us, but also to rave about us, to refer business to us. That is by far one of the biggest aims that we should have. But a lot of us don't focus on that. And so the stats are, in reality, that for every one complaint that we get, there's 29 people out there that are not happy, mm. which is it's huge if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Because those people that are openly, openly having verbal conversations and telling us, hey, look, I'm not happy. There's, there's 29 other people out there that just are feeling the exact same way. So it's especially important. I think that article was really about if you, if you are the top notch, or if you're the best of the best, and you believe, and in a lot of the circumstances, probably the case, that you're one of the few that can provide that type of service, also be careful. You need to be aware of the experience that you provide. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's so important because many times, you know, as entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this podcast and, and how to do things, you know, tips to get better. And so sometimes you forget, you know, you're working on the business so hard that you, you forget to pay attention to some of those little signs. And as they say, you know, it takes years to gain a customer and it takes seconds to lose one. And, and so what would you yeah. recommend as maybe strategies that uh, a business owner could use to really tune into, you know, being more aware of, of the customer? Well, first of all, the, the most important thing to do is really map out the customer journey. And I would highly recommend everybody to sit down and actually have bring in some of the customers and say, okay, and ask them every step of the way, every touch point that they've had with your business, just have open dialogue in a very open environment where they can actually share positive and constructive feedback. And so a customer journey is very important to do because I bet you anything, hands down, that you will find at least a half a dozen points where your customers aren't just happy. They're not happy and probably even some points that, they're just darn right pissed off. So mapping the customer journey is absolutely critical, as well as following up immediately after you've, you've provided the service, whatever that is. So whether that's direct feedback, open conversations. Here's something that's really interesting that I've noticed as well, is just having that open dialogue without it making, making it sound like it's a survey. So asking very pointed questions is very important. Having your team talk to people um, your receptionist, all these things are very important just to get an overall sense of how your customers are feeling. Because a lot of the times, if you're good at what you do, if you're really good at what you do, you have a lot of clients that are waiting. 
Mm-hmm. You have a lot of clients that are on a waiting list, for example. Mm-hmm. And so your number one goal is to really get them through. But taking that time to have that conversation is just as important. Mm-hmm. And so there's a number of touch points that you can use. So email, for example, after the fact, just to get a sense of, of how they're feeling. You can do surveys as they're sitting there in the lobby, for example. You can just have conversations. And the most important thing I would say, and I, this is a, taking a little bit too far, or not too far, but this is if you're really passionate about it, is I, I take a look and I get people to take a look at their cameras in the waiting room, for example, or when people leave. Are they leaving with a smile? Are they sitting there in the waiting room with a smile? Mm-hmm. Because those are the moments that you'll actually see how they're really feeling. And so it's really taking a look at the overall journey because you can tell right away as soon as the customer is leaving whether they're happy or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you can tell by their face. So being open and aware. And here's something, if you, from a budget perspective, not everybody is able to do this, but I highly recommend if you don't have the ability to get a full-time role, even get someone designated in your organization as you could, some people call it the, the person in charge of the wow experience, for example, mm-hmm. who is assigned to really be the devil's advocate and really go out there and put their, put on the hat of a customer and say, okay, what would a customer think? What would a customer feel? And then really be on the customer's behalf because here's the most important thing for us. As providers, we always think we're right. And we always think that we know what our customers want. Mm -hmm. And so having someone play the devil's advocate is very important because we don't always know what our customers want. We don't always know what they like. And so having that opposite role, being basically a customer advocate is very important. In larger boardrooms, this is something, an exercise that I do with executive teams. I get one person that's the advocate of the customer to play that role in those meetings. So anytime the executive team is really making a decision that will impact the customers, that person will speak on the behalf of that customer. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a, they think it's positive or negative, but having that different perspective is important. That's a great strategy. You know, many times because we are sitting in boardrooms or we are trying to make decisions or business owners are meeting with investors, you know, we're trying to say, what is it going to be the next step and how are we going to influence, right, the outcomes? That's what leadership is all about is trying to make a positive influence so that you can make impact. And uh, when you talked about healthcare, you know, so many people think about these advocates, uh, advocate roles and um, their mom or their dad may be getting older and, and they may not be able to go to every appointment with them, you know. And so as I think about challenging people that have those situations that are more customer friendly, customer relations in in a service office of any kind for appointments, how critical that is, you know, to make somebody feel heard or needed or appreciated while they're waiting for maybe 15 minutes, maybe a half an hour, maybe more, right? It could make all the difference in, in how they feel and even their health, right? Their mental health, it makes them, puts them in a better position. Yes, and I think just to add on top of that, I think what's happened now, you, you could see the trends in terms of, before people used to buy based on product, based on the features and the benefits. A lot of the times the, these days, it's very tough to differentiate a product and service because technology can be replicated very easily. Services can be replicated very easily. The, the thing that re- can really differentiate a business from another business is really the experience because it's a little bit tougher because that involves getting your staff on board. It involves getting them trained. And so you can differentiate your business just on the experience itself. And ultimately, if you take a look at the psychology and the neuroscience behind it, 
getting people to feel a certain way is really what gets them to buy, what gets them to actually buy more, what gets them to be loyal and actually refer. It's all about the feeling itself. So that all comes with the overall experience that you provide. And so it's very important to understand that you can separate yourself from your competition just by providing a better or a unique experience. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And that's so hard because sometimes those are considered soft skills, right? <laughs> I know you're going to take off on oh, this a lot one. Of times, yeah. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> and, and so, um, it, you know, when you think about, well, you've got to learn the business of the business, right? You have to understand what, uh, what facets you need and what technology you have or, or learn about the product and, and all of those necessary items. But the soft skills... Like most people are starting to think nowadays of you need to have the, that soft skill capacity and you may get hired into an environment because you show that during the interview or you or you display that after the interview uh, in, in that power of connection. Right. That may get you the job where having just a degree and maybe a higher degree might not have gotten you that job. But it's that soft skill connection that could uh, land you something. Yeah, exactly. And so it's interesting because uh, the statistics and research around that really show that the majority of customer complaints, for example, will come from a select number of individuals. Mm -hmm. So it's typically the same people that are getting complaints over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so hiring the right people is so critical because that sets the stage for your customer and the experience that you provide. So it's very important to pick the right people for your organization. It's so important. You know, and some of this can be trained and some of it can be learned and it depends on the individual, right? The capacity for them to have the, the I think just the vision of whoever that leader is to say, yes, I believe in what you're saying, and I think it's important because. Uh, but if that, that doesn't happen, if that power of connection doesn't happen, or if there's not a vision created by that leader, uh, and so for you teaching men to kind of step into that role more and, you know, be be able to express that, uh, you know, the vision and, and the capacity and um, the steps, right, and step into those roles it's really important, entrepreneurs or even just a team member um, in an organization, by doing that, strengthening those skills are going to give people around them the strength. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because in, in the workshops I do, I had one gentleman actually ask me, he's like, because I teach the concept and premise of being an alpha male, because alpha male has been misconstrued over the years. If you take a look at the true meaning of alpha male, the term alpha, Latin and Greek, really means beginning. Mm -hmm. It means the origin. And so at, if you're an alpha male, and I'm a firm believer of this, that means that you're actually creating your future, mm -hmm. that you're not following in the footsteps of others. And it was interesting because one uh, gentleman said, well, what if everybody became an alpha male? And I actually, uh, you know, I was just kind of laughing a little bit. I said, well, the chances of that happening are very slim because there's very few men having the conversations that we're having. So there will always be men that are not alpha males. And so, again, in life, for especially for men, because we're driven by hierarchy a lot, it's important to realize that you're either the creator, you're, all, you're either the alpha male, or you're a follower in life. Mm -hmm. And so that is important to really, really distinguish in life because a lot of people don't have what they want because they're following what they think other people want them to do. Mm -hmm they're following or they're living a life that they think that they should live based on other people's wants or desires. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's important to be true to yourself. And if it's not the life that you're living, it's not the path that you want, then you have to step up as a leader and really take control and create that life that you want. Gosh, that could be scary, though, right? For a lot of people thinking about, well, I'm doing this because my family has done this. I've been in this business. I'm following in my uncle, family, father's footsteps, grandfather's legacy, right? That's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure for men yes, in absolutely. our society. How do you talk to people about that? Well, yeah, I, I can talk about it because I felt that pressure myself. Mm-hmm. I was in the corporate world for 14 years, and I was a successful executive before I left. My goal was to be a CEO of a major corporation, and I had everything made for me. I had the salary. I had. I was traveling the world. I had. You can say I was living that that high life, uh, but I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And so I had to make that call, and it was a scary moment for me because I I didn't feel like it exactly at that moment. It was almost after I had made the decision where I said, "Oh crap, what did I do?" <laughs> but it was interesting because it was probably the best thing I ever could have done because I felt like I was taking control of my life. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was in control of my life for once, and I wasn't living to somebody or dancing to somebody else's tune. And it's, and it's so critical. This is an exercise that I get every man to do when I'm working with them is really sit in a quiet room, in a dark room, close their eyes, and really put out all the external influences and stimuli. Basically, your wife, your kids, your parents, the corporate, you know, your job, your boss, whoever it is. And really sit there for as long as you need to sit there to really go deep inside yourself to ask yourself, are you happy with the person that you are? Are you happy with the man that you are being? And you will know very soon when you do that, whether you are or not. And so taking all of those external things away, if you're not the, the person, the man that you want to be, then that's what will trigger a lot of people to actually move forward. Mm-hmm. Just that moment and just realizing and accepting it. Because a lot of us don't accept things, Melanie. I think that's the most important thing. And this is, I, I follow a big spiritual path and, and this is a teaching from the Buddhists, is suffering is, is non-acceptance. So that means that you're continuously putting whatever challenge you're having or whatever pain you're having underneath the rug. You're just sweeping under your You're not accepting it. So the moment that we say, hey, look, I'm not happy with my life or who I'm being, that's the moment that you can make change. That's the moment that you have those true epiphanies in life. But if you're not accepting of that, it's very tough to make a change. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because those are beliefs that have been put in us from childhood, right? Those are the things that, yeah. well, you're you're going to look weak if you um, admit that you're not happy. And so what you're doing is really powerful. Yeah, I can tell you it was, it was tough because my parents looked at me. And I, I, I owe the world to my parents because they worked their, their butts off for us. Mm-hmm. They worked long hours, seven days a week. You know, they I just think of the sacrifice that they that they made for us. And so those that's why I worked so hard in the corporate world. That's why I, I wanted to make them feel like their sacrifice actually meant something. So when I left that and they looked at me, they just looked at me and they said, are you nuts? Like, did you, something happen? Did you fall? What What is going on? You're throwing all of this away. It's a tough tough moment to really stand up as a man and say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do and like what I think is right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to put the right people. You know, we talk about this so many times, but having either groups, masterminds, studies, you know, mentors, people that can help and support you along that way, because 
it's not easy when you take that first step. It's kind of like, like you said, it's the freedom, right? You feel that sense of like, ah, and then you go, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> but, you know, part, yeah. of, part of it is you've got to figure out where you fit and where in society you've got to create that environment. And sometimes the door just doesn't open and you go, oh, it's over on that street. You have to make that intention to put those people in your circle and get involved in the right influences um, so that you can live into your dream instead of, you know, many, many people that I talk to say, well, I'm waiting for that billboard. I'm waiting for somebody else to show that to me. I'm looking at their happiness on the other side. It's, you know, the grass is always greener and I wish I could have that. But my gosh, if we would just slow down and, and accept where we are and really what we want to have, uh, because life is short. And so we should all be learning from this, men and women. This, there's a great lessons for everybody. <laughs> um, but but thank you, you know, really for what you're doing um, is such a value for our society, Pradeep. And that's so important. Thank you. Yes, I really appreciate it. So I, it's a big mission. It's a big task, but I'm, I'm totally for it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next few years. So um, how can people, if someone said today, I really want to connect to you. I want to. I want you to have to come into my uh, company for a workshop. I want to be able to listen to your podcast. Tell our listeners how they can connect to you. Yeah, the simplest way. So I also have a podcast. It's called the Male Entrepreneur Podcast. You can go to malepodcast.com. Uh, interesting enough, we have both men and women listen. It's it's really interesting because women get an insight in terms of how guys work and what's going through their mind. Yep. That's one area. You can also go to PradeepSanga.com or any of the social media channels, you can find me at PradeepSanga. That's awesome. Well, I learned a ton tonight. I really, really thank you for coming on the program and being of such value. I really appreciate it. We're going to be uh, friends for life. I just know it. And, um, and I thank you so much and have a wonderful 2019. Thank you. You too. And I appreciate it. Thank you for the laugh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Melanie Ake with Everyday Leaders. I wanted to invite you to join my leadership class. It's Life Strategies 101, where I'm going to take you through the everyday 15 laws of growth. It's an amazing journey. It's 15 weeks with me as your personal coach. Join me, everydayleaders.com, and sign up today.